You are listening to The Feminine Blueprint, a podcast that dives deep into what it truly means to be a woman embodying her feminine energy. My name is Nadine Saula, and I am a feminine embodiment alchemist, a menstrual therapist, and a dedicated self-realization seeker. Every woman holds a unique blueprint, a divine essence that is waiting to be awakened and expressed. From exploring our menstrual cycles to discovering our sensuality and presence, we will uncover the tools and practices to unlock our feminine potential. So sit back, relax, and join me as we explore the mysteries of the feminine energy and unlock our inner magic. Although it is considered that adult women already know everything there is to know about menstruation from what we learn at 16 in high school and from a book, and if you have been lucky, what you have been taught by the woman in your family, if so. So this cannot be farther from the truth. Adult women also need to learn about female cyclicality. This learning does not end with the arrival of menstruation or menopause. Menstrual health is as important as sexual and reproductive health because behind menstrual patriarchal camouflage of woman's cyclical nature lies the devaluation and belief system they have indoctrinated us to operate from that women are fragile, either by their families, partners, or society, or even by themselves, that the uterus does not exist. No one talks about it or even name it. Like you know who from Harry Potter. It has been replaced by the words belly, tummy, or even abdomen. In turn, we develop a feeling of rejection towards our femininity, which is assigned as inferior, experiencing these impositions with impotence, feeling that they limit and condition our life and fulfillment. And for fear of breaking these norms of or displeasing other people, which by the way is patriarchy indoctrination, in the end we end up accepting them, knowing that deep down we do not like them at all. So we found ourselves constantly analyzing and weighing our role, function, social and professional and even family status. To this, we must be added the fact that we are under constant surveillance because in the patriarchal system, revealing yourself as a woman has its consequence. To that, the face of a woman's hormonal cycle called menstruation has been and is the object of taboos and fallacies throughout history that have been used to disconnect us from our healing power through female body disempowerment. Menstruating does not mean the same thing in our Western culture as it does in India, for example. The significance of the taboo and the rites of passage will be different, even though menstruation is just another physiological process, like excreting or digesting. Menstruating in a patriarchal society makes it a process that is not exempt from discrimination and violence. 
witches born to patriarchal mothers know how it feels to have their magic hunted and shunted till it hides and dies by the very person who gave them life. Truly patriarchy has no gender, for I get along far better with decolonizing men than I do with patriarchal women who just live to protect the patriarchal systems. Like, oh no, I will not tell anyone that I'm menstruating because like this, boys will like me better. I really hated these situations. In general terms, patriarchy can be defined as a system of sex, political, social relations, based on different public and private institutions and on interclass and intergender solidarity established by men, who as a social group, individually and collectively, oppress women individually and collectively, and appropriate their productive and reproductive power, their bodies and their products, either by peaceful means or through the use of violence. Feminine wisdom has been condemned, invisibilized and removed from history and from women themselves, making us strangers to our own bodies. They stripped off the ability to connect with nature and the earth and hidden our ancestral knowledge and for that, it is our duty to reconnect with the wisdom of our bodies, because it is revolutionary. Two core beliefs about women's bodies in the patriarchal system are, first, medical science is omnipotent. We believe that the system will keep us healthy. We have been inculcated with the myths of medical gods, who know more than we do about our own bodies, and that they always have the answer and the cure. Our society does not encourage, does not recognize, and does not respect our ability to heal or stay healthy without constant outside help. The female body is abnormal. Judeo-Christian worldview that inspires this Western civilization holds the female body and sexuality represented in Eve as responsible for the downfall of humanity. So it is not exactly admiration and respect that is felt for our bodies. Most women internalize that there is something fundamentally wrong with our physique. How else can we explain the very high rates of cosmetic surgery? Society has pushed us to believe that our, that our natural smells and shapes are unacceptable, that our bodies are essentially dirty and that we need constant vigilance of cleanliness and freshness in order not to offend. This denigration of our bodies has caused many women to fear or be repulsed by their natural processes, like menstruation. So our practice must start from a critical and political reflection of what it means to be a woman. In this society, as a political subject, there is no feminine essence. There are socially constructed femininity. All women hold the power of renewal in their wombs, which dies every month and is reborn anew on the third day of menstruation. This was replaced by the funeral rite of a male son of God who dies on the cross, which, by the way, is an ancient womb symbol, and is resurrected again after three days, that is a ritual of resurrection in the womb. We drink the symbolic blood of a sacrificed male God when once we drank the menstrual blood 
of the Great Mother for baptisms of wisdom and initiation. As men do not menstruate, a fake menstruation has to occur by inflicting a sacred wound, such as the genital mutilation of circumcision, an animal or human sacrifice, or the mass murder of war, male wounding as a regeneration ritual for the land mimics feminine womb power. This gender switch was the underlying reason for the rise of human sacrifice in religion, where the earth thirsts for blood and the satanic blood rituals and deaths replacing the life-giving and life-affirming tribal use of healing and regenerative menstrual blood. The power of resurrection previously associated with the holy womb and menstrual blood of the Divine Mother was transferred to the story of Jesus and his ritual of Eucharistic est sanguis meus, or this is the chalice of my blood, where worshippers drank his blood to gain the power of rebirth through him. This occurred even though in most ancient myths and religions throughout the world, dating back hundreds of thousands of years, the power of rebirth has always been a blessing of the feminine womb, embodied and gifted by the menstrual blood of sacred womb priestesses. This is the patriarchy, life-giving menstrual blood that flows with the codes of creation and was not obtained through violence, was suppressed, condemned, and refaced with the blood of a sacrificed male god king in black magic ritual and in war. Do you see it now? I know you can feel this truth within you. I know that something clicked within you and you just remember who you really are. The more we align with patriarchal influence belief systems, either religious, alternative, or new age, the less clear our womb wisdom will be. There are many teachings still plucked into the patriarchal matrix. Bless these teachings. They have been a breach, but now a new step is being called for. And it is important to understand that an unbalanced matriarchal energy that denigrates men and separates them from women, it's also part of patriarchy. Menstruation was not originally meant to imply we were dirty or shameful and had to be purged of unworthiness, rather it celebrated the natural feminine blessing of monthly renewal into new possibilities. Let's explore how the cycle works. The lunar tides are felt on the land as well as waters. And as we are 70% water, we're also experiencing an ebb and flow of tides, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The research shows that the structure of water is changed by the passing of the moon overhead, which means that we are structurally changed by the changing phases of the moon. What is happening inside of our bodies and our psyches with every cycle of the moon is truly astounding and beautiful and was the basis for the curriculum in every ancient moon college, which is sadly lacking in modern-day schooling. In our current loop-sided society, the enlivening powers of ovulation are accepted, 
but menstruation is misunderstood and ne a neglected force. Our menstrual phase self is where our womb becomes a mystical cauldron of psychic and sexual creative power that is harnessed to transform and evolve our state of consciousness. A lunar cycle of 24.8 hours is what we attune to if we are in complete darkness, such as a cave, rather than the sun cycle of 24 hours. Before artificial light, our bodies attuned to a balance of light and darkness, of day and night, the Earth's sacred union cycle. Our sense of smell changes throughout the lunar cycle, waxing to a peak at ovulation when we are in a sensory dance of sacred union with the external world and then whining in rhythm with the moon so that our external senses are at a low around menstruation when our inner senses are heightened and alive. The average womb cycle length is 29.5 days in women who are more regular, which is the exact length of the lunar cycle of the moon around the Earth. The brain, the pituitary and hypothalamus, produces hormones that activate the ovaries to produce estrogen. When the ovaries produce estrogen in the first half of the cycle, days 1 to 14, it makes the lining of the womb build up and get thicker and makes the cervix produce fertile mucus. This creative web that grows inside our womb linings is composed of many blood vessels called spiral arteries, which form the richest capillary plexus in the entire body, as our glands also secrete nutritive hormones. Our wombs are waxing into the chalice of life. On day 14, ovulation is stimulated by hormones from the brain, pituitary and hypothalamus, and if we were awakened enough to consciously conceive, this cosmic egg holds the divine intelligence to select the sperm that would create the best genetic blueprint for a new soul to incarnate into. After ovulation, between days 14 to 28, the ovaries produce progesterone, which causes the lining of the womb to secrete substances that support the implantation of the egg. During this time, a magical substance called uterine milk develops in the womb lining, which contains all the nutrients needed to nourish a baby. This womb superfood a supernatural elixir of life, later becomes menstrual blood, which is also infused with powerful stem cells that are the building blocks of life. If the egg isn't fertilized, progesterone production in the ovary begins to decline after about 10 days until the life-empowered lining of the womb sheds. But if the egg is fertilized, it causes the ovary to keep producing progesterone to support pregnancy. Menstruation continues for an average of four days. When the ovaries produce enough estrogen, bleeding stops and the lining of the womb builds up again. Relaxine, a hormone most known for being released in pregnancy that allows ligaments and connective tissue to stretch so the pelvis can open to give um, birth to a baby, is also released every month's administration to allow the descent of the blood. Each menstruation is like a mini birth 
menstrual pains are like a mini labor, just like we can have orgasmic births. So too can we have orgasmic menstruation. What a thought, huh? During menstruation, the entire physiology undergoes changes in every similar way to pregnancy. These intense bioalchemical changes include sex hormone level, body temperature, basal metabolic rate, blood sugar, water retention, body weight, respiratory capacity, carbon dioxide levels, oxygen levels, blood acidity, heart rate inflammation, white blood cell counts, protein levels, vitamin levels, biopigments, adrenaline levels, urine volume, thyroid function, adrenal functions, electrical skin resistance, pupil size, pain threshold, skin color, breast changes, composition of cervical mucus, brain waves, sensory acuity, smell, vision, and audio, and changes in REM dream activity. So if you have wondered why you feel different at this sacred time and wish to rest under a clue, it is a natural instinct and response to the profound shifts in your body. So please do rest every time you feel you need to. If a womb conceives life, a lining forms into the placenta to nourish the baby. But if a child is not conceived, the same lining that would have formed the placenta becomes menstrual blood, rich with stem cells and consciousness-altering properties that can open the doors of perception. The magical placenta now becomes the elixir of menstruation, the wise blood, bestower of magical powers. And placenta is a mysterious and powerful bridge between the baby and its biological mother and the divine mother. It's a source of maternal endocrine alchemy. These divine powers and elixirs of love present in the placenta are also imbued in menstrual blood. It is a powerful realization when we come to know that every menstruation is in fact a birth in which we are opening and accessing the creative forces of the life-giving womb to burst new dimensions from spirit into our lives and psyches. The womb is the only vessel that can dye or shed blood through love, creation, and renewal rather than suffering and physical death. Let me say that again. The womb is the only vessel that can dye or shed blood through love, creation, and renewal other than suffering and physical death. And that is why menstruation is the original shamanic journey of death and rebirth. We are releasing and rebirthing in one profound bio-spiritual journey. It is also a very primal moment when we remember our true origins. The scent of blood subliminally reminds us on, on a primal level of the smell of our own birth. Smell is the most primal sensation and it takes us directly to our oldest ancestral memories. In ancient cultures, a woman's first menstruation, known as menar, was a sacred time of initiation into not only womanhood, but her magical powers. A girl's first menses 
was considered to be so powerful and such a blessing that girls bled onto a handcrafted sacred blanket, which older women then kept for good fortune. And later in life, if the girl got sick, she would be wrapped in the blanket, which was believed to hold magical healing powers. Which brings us to today's medicalization of women's health. First, let's define the concept of medicalization. To medicalize is to apply drugs or make unnecessary or excessive medical interventions. It is to intervene medically or pharmacologically in people's lives without justification. Like when vital phenomena occurs, such as menopause, menstruation, pregnancy, and childbirth, or even old age itself are not longer seen as natural processes, as stages of life that the body can face with its own resources, but as medical problems in themselves. And once this pathological conception has been created, it is easy to induce the idea that without interventions and medications, it is not possible to maintain health in these stages or situations. Another form of medicalization consists of reducing the multi-causality of the symptoms that a person presents to just one in order to treat it pharmacologically. This currently occurs in the approach to pain and discomfort in women. However, instead of looking for the causes by establishing an adequate differential diagnosis in each patient with the various pathologies that present or may present the same symptoms, pain is taken as a common cause and treated without trying different treatment alternatives based on analgetics and psychotropic drugs. It is also medicalizing that health research is reduced almost exclusively to pharmacological research, and it's currently the case throughout the world. This is because it is in the hands of pharmaceutical laboratories which carry it out directly or finance it. This means that hardly any non-pharmacological research is carried out despite the fact that what little, little there is shows curative, as well as economic advantages and with far fewer unwanted side effects. Another way of medicalizing, which is increasingly in vogue, is that of prevention, with drugs or medical interventions. In other words, medicalizing healthy people so that they do not become ill. A paradox. Another example of medicalization is not giving enough information to make decisions about one's own body. Sadly, the medicalization of menstruation occurs even from Menarche, our first menstruation. From an early age, the education and health systems produce messages that threaten the freedom of women's and girls' bodies leading to a normalization of the medicalized care of menstrual cycles. Of course, advertising also plays a major role in the perception of the menstrual cycle from childhood. Menstruation should not be smelled, it should not be felt, it should not be spoken about, even less in public. Your pain should be hidden, and you, like, it should never be known. In short, for the patriarchal system, menstruation should not exist because women who show their blood 
Do not consume products that eliminate their body odor and take a break from caring tasks on the days of the menstrual phase are the terror of patriarchy. And due to the pathological conception the patriarchal medical science has built on the body of woman, the experience of the menstrual cycle is also experienced from the pathological view with phrases and ultimately beliefs such as being bad with your period, period pains, and a normal reaction of, ah, okay, normal. Whole negative menstrual imaginary has been built and don't even get me started with childbirth. Shame, disgust, suffering are some of the feelings that continue to be associated with the menstrual cycle, making menstruation the last taboo. And to end this taboo, we must dismantle the idea that women's bodies are a mistake that needs to be continuously repaired with makeup, surgeries, pills, and so on, and start to disseminate the healthier models of living in our bodies and the menstrual cycle in all areas of society, health and educational institutions, media, cultural productions, and I could go on. But first and foremost, importantly, we need to speak up and teach the women and men in our lives about our cycles and the truth about our menstrual blood that contains stem cells, or should I say, the molecule of God that holds the power and knowledge of creation. So tell me, why are you taking the pill? The contraceptive pill first appeared with the purpose of offering freedom in the management of sexual and reproductive health. The price of this supposed freedom is disconnection from sexual cycles and therefore from oneself. Appearing internal communication between our brain, hormones, uterus, ovaries, disconnecting us from our feminine wisdom, basically, making us more like them, like men. This disconnection based on the physiological suppression of the menstrual cycle and the suppression of the emotional and spiritual fluctuation that goes with it has a series of health consequences that have been hidden throughout the history of the pill, mainly because of the patriarchal and capitalist interest behind it. We have been told many lies about the contraceptive pill. Some of them are the first one. It is the savior of woman. When women possess the capacity to know how to consciously manage their fertility. And it is false to think that we are ignorant without the help of synthetic hormones. Another lie is the pill is perfect. There is no final version of the pill and new versions are always appearing. It is women and their health that pay the price for the industry's mistakes. Mistakes ranging from serious to minor to even death. Another lie is no side effects. The hormones in the pill enter our blood, travel through the body, and affect many tissues and organs. The suppression of the menstrual cycle does have consequences, and they are very serious for a woman's health. Another lie, the pill makes you free. Yeah, to be more like a man. So apparently, yes. But in reality, it makes you a slave of a laboratory and a... Um, pharmaceutical industry, which is part of a patriarchal and capitalist framework. This dependence basically annuls a natural and essential process of the body. 
another lie is it is essential. There are other methods that are more respectful of women's bodies and their hormonal processes and are highly reliable. And also options for men that from a biological perspective should be the ones taking contraceptive methods since they are the ones able to impregnate every single day of their lives while in fertile age, that is until 40 or 45 years old. So it is only a question of learning about them. And this is when you start to do your own research, because of course, you know some of their short, medium and long-term effects of the pill, right? Right? Let me tell you about some of them. Hypertension, bowel flow changes, depression, skin problems, cervical dysplasia, breast changes, changes in the intensity of sexual desire, urinary system infections, bleeding between periods, vaginitis, headaches, epilepsy and asthma, inflammation of the gums, among others. These are not all the symptoms. So tell me, why are we accepting this? Why? There are plenty of reasons to say that hormonal birth control pills seriously damage our general and menstrual health. But if, for any reason, you need to take the pill, then research for one without synthetic hormones. I found one from India when I did my research. I haven't tried it, though. I just go by experiencing my psychical existence as is. But in India, there is one called Ormelo 6 has been available as a birth control there since the early 19s, and it was marketed under the trade name Saheli. So what happens with my menstrual cycle under the effects of the birth control? The main thing about this issue is that there is no menstrual cycle under the effects of the contraceptive pill, as it suppresses the hormonal fluctuations that characterize the menstrual cycle, as well as the indispensable process ovulation. Hormonal contraceptives are a type of hormone replacement therapy because they contain synthetic hormones that alternate our body's natural hormones, mainly estrogen and progesterone. They work by supplying these synthetic hormones daily to maintain them at a specific level that prevents ovulation. Cervical fluids and the development of an implantation-friendly endometrium. The bleeding that occurs under the effects of the contraceptive pill is deprivation bleeding, that is a fictitious bleeding that mimics a menstruation and is caused by the withdrawal of hormones, which is totally unnecessary. We have been taught that our wombs, our cycles, our sacred blood, our sacred scent, our feminine selves are less than unclean, unwanted, lower, basic. When the truth is, Basic means at the foundation. It is our original connection to life and creation. Our ancestors knew this truth and celebrated the feminine. Menstruation is the oldest religion on earth, as was honoring the moon cycles. It was also a gift to be shared with the whole community. In ancient times, the entire tribe lived in balance with the menstrual moon rhythms. Men, women, and children, waxing, creating, and building together, then whining, resting, and renewing. 
the three days of menstruation were a time out of time for the entire tribe, a collective vision quest so that the community could renew and drink together. There was no separation. There were not even red tents. The Indian vowel mystics knew this secret and in their sexual mysteries, making love on the fourth day of menstruation was the most sacred and powerful time. The first burst of stem cells creates a powerful alchemy that when communed with in sacred union can transport couples into deep dimensions of love for heaven, nirvana, isium, fairyland. And exactly because of this, in later traditions, making love during menstruation became taboo. The power of menstrual blood has been either greatly misused or denied in the last ages. So it is also vitally important to honor the sanctity of this embodied flow of the Divine Mother and only work with the blood in innocence and love. Woman born many thousands of years ago in a state of original innocence before many of our genetic capabilities went offline, held this power naturally as a birthright shared with their tribes in renewal rituals. In Western alchemical tradition, the power of menstrual blood was also well known and was the healing and awakening Eucharistic of early Gnostic womb churches. This was a heresy that the patriarchal church sought to destroy and now, as a modern culture, we often condemn these primal rites, rejecting and demonizing the power held within our own bodies and the sacred elixirs and rivers she produces. In the past, especially among mystics, this wasn't so. Menstruation is a time of initiation, of release, a dissolution of conditioned ways of being, to dive deeply into the great mystery of life. Our primal feminine essence is menstruation. The Red River is wild, passionately, fiercely, protective, fearless, magnetic, alluring, sensual, and playful. Wild means not living in captivity, allowing all of yourself to be truly free, to be sensual, to be fearless, and without any shame. This connects to the womb of the world, the web of life, and the universal womb that birthed all matter. It is the powerful essence of a woman that opens to the deepest wisdom, freedom, and power of law. It's completely sexual, magnetic, and wild, without boundaries, able to overcome any obstacle. It will radically transform you breaking you through all your fears and allowing your life force to flow with a roar and a deeply central shimmy, connecting with the wild energy that society has forbidden, shamed, and suppressed is the balm for issues of self-love, developing personal power and boundaries, overcoming sexual shame held at a cellular level, patterns of self-sabotage, or past patterns of victimhood and feelings of hopelessness and despair. It is also the gateway to open into deep pleasure, sexually and sensually, making love with life itself, feeling juicy and open in relationship to the masculine, 
and overcoming patterns of control or feeling contracted and unfeminine. It helps you to magnetically attract bounty and abundance into your life and gives you the power to follow your heart in every moment. So tell me, how much pleasure are you ready to handle? Mm. Okay. This is why we actually choose on a subconscious level to lead diminished lives, to go to jobs that aren't fulfilling and sap our energy, to live in places we don't thrive in, to settle for lackluster relationships that don't inspire us, to blame all of our woes on lack of money, lack of time, lack of opportunities, lack of support. And why? Because we are terrified of the pleasure life is waiting to flow our way. Our receptive body has become shut down and wrinkled. We find it difficult to contemplate that good fortune is the natural state of life if we completely trust her. We modern women, deeply anchored in our masculine energy, are burnout, exhausted of controlling everything in our lives. You know it, you feel it. We are done pretending that filling every single role in the workspace, home, with friends, in romantic relationships, makes us any happy. You don't need to pretend here. I know that what you truly crave is a softer, effortless, cyclical life with balance and harmonious relationships because I was there too and I am here now to change the way we women see reality and ourselves. Another way of being in this patriarchal society, my purpose in life is to re-signify women's health, self-management and to connect modern women to their feminine essence through my alchemical embodiment method. This is an invitation to master the art of feminine embodiment alchemy and together create a new paradigm, a new worldview, so that modern women like us can live a softer life, reconnect with our feminine power by surrendering and trusting the masculine role to the men in our lives and in the world, and without compromising your life, quality, and comfort, magnetizing and attracting abundance in all aspects of your life effortlessly. To find out more, the link will be in the video description down below. So here is the menstrual liberation from the 3D matrix and patriarchal programming. Know and recognize that your menstrual cycle is a sign of the state of your overall health that menstruating with dignity is a sexual right and is closely related to reproductive health, that the holistic vision of health implies contemplating the organism as a whole, mind, body, and spirit, in a multidisciplinary way from a bio-psychosocial approach. Let go of the internalized misogyny of controlling what you eat and your value as a woman in what you don't eat. Stop using the patriarchy language. For example, when you say, you gotta have balls, replace it with, you gotta have ovaries. Educate yourself about your cycle. Take honest interest and start now. Do not participate in cultural traditions where the experience of menstruation becomes just another manifestation of male violence. Be the change. Denounce the existing gender bias 
in scientific research studies and the scarcity of studies on the menstrual cycle from a biopsychosocial perspective. Speak up. Stop equating pathology with normality when it comes to women's physiological processes and investigate yourself the causes of menstrual pain and other pathologies of the menstrual cycle. Do your own research. You will achieve self-governance by first managing your own health. And remember that women who show their blood do not consume products that eliminate their, their body odors and take a break from caring tasks on the days of the menstrual phase are the terror of patriarchy. Be the terror. Our womb blood is a symbol of renewal, a divine blessing. Integrate this information and start looking at your menstrual blood from another perspective. Watch this video as many times as you need to, and please ask me all the questions that you have in the comments down below. I'm so excited that you resonate with this information, and I'm looking forward to connecting with you and build a community for all the women who are here and have awakened to this information. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Feminine Blueprint Podcast. If you enjoy this episode and know someone that could benefit from it, please do share it. Until next time, this is Nadine Sabla, your host, signing off.